God, we love you, and we are just so grateful, so thankful to be in this space at this time and in this place together to worship and to, to dive into your word. And God, I just uh, I pray as you do every week that you would speak through me. God, the words that come out of my mouth would be your words for your people on your day, God. We are here in this space to hear from you, God. That's why all of us came. No one came to hear me talk this morning, God. We all come to hear from you. That is what this is all about. And so, God, I just pray that you would uh, just meet with us in this space, continue to meet with us in this space, speak through your word and speak through me, that we might leave knowing that we have met with the one true God this morning. Will we leave challenged and shaped by what we have heard this morning from your word? God, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we are uh, in week two of our summer in the Psalms. Uh, uh, we're, I'm just looking forward to kind of spending some time just focusing in on the Psalms during this summer, uh, kind of springboarding off of what we talked about back in January as we talked about our Connect, Grow, Serve, our Grow initiative for this year was to learn and follow Scripture both personally and in community. Uh, and so we have been really just kind of doing that together each and every weekend, going very intentionally into Scripture and talking about just kind of the... Well, so far, kind of the major broad themes uh, that we've seen there. Uh, but as the year progresses, as we keep going during this year, we're going to kind of dive into some specific places in Scripture uh, and just kind of talk about the depth and the meaning that is there. And I'm excited about this summer to just spend some time in Psalms because I think Psalms and depth of meaning aren't always words that we use in the same sentence a lot, right? Sometimes the Psalms are just kind of overlooked, right? You have, the, you have the little Bibles and it's the New Testament and oh yeah, Psalms is thrown in there, right? We have Psalms as kind of like this, we think of it as kind of just this cute little book in the middle of scripture, but we just kind of skim over it because it's just kind of poems and songs and that's nice, but man, if we, if we do that, we are missing out on so much that the Psalms have to offer us and as we talked about last week, we looked at Psalm uh, 95 last week, and we really just were able to see what worship is all about, right? That we worship this, this God, he is the great king above all gods, that in his hands he created everything, that he holds and sustains the world in his hands. And we come and we worship him, and we talked about how we worship him last week. Uh, you know, today I want to kind of go into another psalm. And again, we're just going to, every single week, just kind of pick a psalm and just kind of go deep into it. What does this psalm have to, have to tell us here in the year 2021 in Fresno, California? What does this have to do? Right? What does it have to do with me? What does it have to do with you? The book of Psalms. And so uh, that's what we're going to do. We're going to actually look at Psalm 63 today. Um, and uh, I usually have a number for you in the pew bibles and i don't today but uh psalm 63 is where we're going to spend the majority of our time so we're going to be kind of camping out um but you know what we're going to see here in this psalm is is david just kind of expressing his longing and his adoration for god all right we see him just expressing his his love for god but there's a line in here about god's love for us as well and as we read this psalm i want you to think about this could I say these words? Does my relationship with God reflect what David's relationship with God looks like? Is your heart in love with God? Because sometimes when we think about this, we, we call what we have with Jesus, we call this a relationship. But oftentimes what we mean when we say relationship is more of a knowledge thing. 
Right? We, we know a lot about God. And even just when we talk about faith, it's more about knowledge than it is about anything else. But this word relationship is really more accurate to what this should be. Now, in my relationship with Rachel, I know a lot about Rachel. I know her likes. I know her dislikes. I know uh, what bothers her. And sometimes I want to push those buttons a little bit. I, you know, sometimes I, I, sometimes I don't want to because I know it will happen, right? But uh, she's going to listen on the podcast and she'll like that. But uh, <laughs> anyways, you know, I, I know Rachel. I, I know her. But there is, there's got to be more than just knowing her. Right? There's, there is a love that happens between us. There is a loving relationship there that's more than about just knowing that she says she likes the Packers and I like the Lions. Right? It's, it's more than just knowing all of that stuff. There's got to be a love there. And so the same thing is true in our, in our relationship with God. It is great to have knowledge of God. But if there is not a loving relationship that is there, we're missing part of the picture, a big part of the picture. And so we're going to read Psalm 63 this morning. So if you want to go there with me, some of you are probably already there. I heard a lot of pages flipping earlier. Uh, We're going to read that together. But even before we read the psalm, you read this. It says, a psalm of David when he was in the desert of Judah. So there's our setting for you, right? It's David. David wrote this psalm. We talked a little bit about David during our past series as we kind of looked at the broad themes of Scripture. Uh, David is a king. You can read about David in kind of First and Second Samuel. Uh, and we're not exactly really sure. I mean, we, we've seen him in the desert of Judah. There's actually a, uh, a story in the book of Second Samuel 15 and 16 where there's another king, Absalom, who is coming in and trying to, to overtake David and overtake the throne. And David and all of his leadership, they kind of flee and they go into the mountains, they go to the desert. This very well could be that time, but we're just, we're not sure, right? There are a lot of people who are smarter than me that say this is probably when this is written, but we can't be sure because... Uh, well, there's some other reasons there, but this is, this is probably when it was written, as he was fleeing from Absalom. So King David is out in the desert with his, all of his people, uh, with all of his leadership, and then he writes this in Psalm 63. You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of food. With singing, with singing lips, my mouth will praise you. On my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. Because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me. Those who want to kill me will be destroyed. They will go down into the depths of the earth. They will be given over to the sword and become food for jackals. But the king will rejoice in God. All who swear by God will glory in him, while the mouths of liars will be silenced. So so here's David, and David is in the desert at this point. David is in the desert. He is fleeing for his life, even in, even in here. Even if, even if this Absalom story isn't the one that we should be looking at, he's fleeing for his life, right? You see in verse, uh, verse 9, those who want to kill me will be destroyed. So David knows that there are people out there who want to kill him, and, and David is, is in the desert. And David, 
in the desert just begins to express his love and his adoration for God. And by the way, this is not the only time in the Psalms or the only, probably the only time in the series that we'll see David kind of out in the wilderness, out in the desert, fearing for his life, but praising God. All right, this is a theme that we see in Psalms. This is a theme that we see with David. But my question for us to think about this morning is this, where does that even come from? Like, how does David, even in this moment where, where everything seems to be falling down around him, David, even in this moment where just like he's fleeing from his own kingdom because the people in his kingdom, if this whole Absalom story is a thing, his people in the kingdom want Absalom to be the king anyways. They're kind of clinging to him. He's kind of just telling them what they want to hear so they will like him. You know, he's fleeing his own kingdom so people don't kill him and he's in the desert and still... He's just expressing love and adoration for God. How does he come to this place over and over again as we see in many more psalms other than just this Psalm 63? I think verse 3 here as we read this is really the catalyst. It just says this, because your love is better than life. Because your love is better than life. How can, how can David just be in the wilderness, be fearing for his life, and still be able to, to pray and to say these things, it's because he knew that the love of God is better than life. It is better than life. And I think that is the, the key for us this morning when we realize the, the depth of the love that God has for you and me. It kind of drives us to the love for God that can really only be described by the affection that we see here with David. Right, it's more than just knowledge-based. David doesn't just, just know that God's love is better than life. He, he understands because he has felt the love of God. And he, he loves God. You can see this in what he is saying. He loves God with everything that he is as well. Because he knows that the love of God is better than life. And that's what I want to just, just talk about this morning. I want to just talk about what happens when we really come to grips with this truth. That the love of God is better than life. What does it mean for us? What does it look like? How, how, how could we, how do we, what happens when we realize the depth of God's love for us? I think the first thing is this, is that when we realize the depth of God loves for, the depth of God's love for us, our relationship with God becomes consuming instead of convenient. I really do believe this, that it becomes consuming for us instead of just convenient for us. I mean, think about this. This psalm, again, is written by a man who is just consumed with God. David is in a desert, and he's still saying this. He's saying, you know, I thirst for you. I'm in a desert, but it's not water that I'm thirsty for. It is you, God. In verse 5, I'll be fully satisfied with the richest of foods. Again, he's in the desert fleeing for his life. Normally, he probably would have the richest of foods. If anybody knows what that tastes like, it's King David. He's saying, look, I, I, I want you. Your love is better than life. I, I thirst for you. I long for you. If I can just have you, I will be satisfied. If I can just have you, my soul is going to be replenished. If I can just have you. David is just so consumed by this love for God. He wants nothing more than to be with him. But here's the thing. This is not just a, a David thing. This is something we see all throughout Scripture. 
Especially in the New Testament. You see, you see Paul say in Philippians 1, uh, to live is Christ and to die is gain. How can Paul say those words? Because he knows that, that the love of God is better than life. That yeah, while I'm here, I'm going to keep doing what I can to spread the news and to spread the gospel. I'm going to keep living my life for Christ and doing what I can for Christ. But man, if I <laughs> to die is gain. If I could just be there with God, that would be so much better than what I have right now. That I would just get to be with you. Paul is just so consumed with his relationship with Christ that it just, he just wants to be with him, even if it means death. And then you read these words in, in the Gospels, in the book of Luke, Luke chapter 14, starting at verse 26. Or, yeah, his, Jesus, words of Jesus. If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. There's echoes of this in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 10, starting at verse 37. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Now, I just, just want to throw this out here. Is Jesus, those are both words of Jesus, by the way, is Jesus saying that we need to hate our moms and dads and our children and our, uh, our families? No. You cannot make a biblical case for hating anyone, much less your family. You just can't. I mean, even the Ten Commandments, honor your father and mother, right? Jesus is not kind of contradicting all of Scripture here and saying you need to hate your family. But here's what he's saying. Your relationship with me should be so consuming and just so intimate that every other relationship that you have, even your closest relationships, look like hate in comparison. This is what Jesus is calling us. Jesus is not calling us to, to just a one, one relationship life, just us and Jesus. Jesus is not saying you need to actually physically hate your parents or your family or anybody. He's saying, look, like at our relationship should, should, should make all these other relationships just look like hate in comparison. This is the kind of love that God is having us, that God is, is wanting us to have with him. It's a consuming kind of love. But here's the thing, though. I, I think this is becoming more and more foreign to us as Christians. We have kind of flocked to the convenient, if I, if I can say that. We've flocked more to the convenience of things than we have to the, to the consuming of things. We've just kind of created this whole thing where we can just kind of add Jesus on top of whatever it is that we love and call it Christian and call it love and call it love for God. Right? So many Christians are more consumed with politics or money or power than they are Jesus and that's wrong it can't be we need to be so consumed with Jesus that that I mean you can just fill in the blanks there what what else are you consumed by I mean what else is there do you want God more than anything else do you want God's glory to be made known more than anything else do you want God's love more than anything else I think if the answer is no to that you need to take take a second and just kind of Look inside yourself and say, like, why is this? 
Why is it that I'm putting things? Why am I being consumed with things that are not of God? Why am I being consumed with things that are not Jesus? What is, what is going on in my own heart that I could even be doing this? I mean, we are talking about the God of the universe who is infinitely more beautiful and wonderful and loving and satisfying than any one thing, any group of things, any everything here on earth. We need to be consumed by this love and by this relationship. I think when we realize the greatness of God's love for us, we really come to grips with, with how it is that God loves us and, and, and all of the, he loves me even though, all of those fill in the blanks. We just come to realize like, man, this, this relationship is so much more than I'm making it. All right, here's the second thing. When we, when we come to grips with the greatness of God's love for us, our worship It's no longer done out of duty. It's done out of joy. Our worship is no longer done out of duty. It is done out of joy. Think about this. Just even right after what he says in Psalm 63. Remember, he says, your love is better than life. And just listen to what he says. Because your love is is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied with you, as, as satisfied as the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. What happens as soon as David even just begins to speak of the greatness of the love of God for him, that it is better than life, it's just worship. He just begins to say, like, I'm, I, I can't help but sing. I can't help but lift my hands. I am satisfied with you as I, I'm not satisfied with anything else other than you. The richest of foods I can't be satisfied with, but I'll be satisfied with you. All right, this, 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 this worship that we have is, is not done out of duty. He's not just saying these things because he's supposed to say these things. He's not just coming and, and saying the words and, and singing the words and doing, going through the motions. He is, he's doing this out of, out of joy. And again, he's in the desert. He's not in the place where worship typically happened, in the temple back then. We talked about the temple in the last year as well. The temple, the place where the glory of God physically dwelled with his people. And he's not there. He's in the desert. He is, he is away. <laughs> he's, in, he's in the wilderness in more than one aspect, right? He, he is away from the temple. He is out of here, but he is still able to worship. I mean, he, he just comes to realize the greatness of, co- of God's love for him, and it causes him to worship. See, here's the thing. Joyful worship comes from a heart that is consumed by love for God. And let's be honest. Coming and just going through the motions It's not honoring to God. Coming and just doing what we think we should do is not honoring to God, especially if we're just coming to do it out of duty. And if we're honest, it's not very satisfying for us as well. It's just true worship, joyful worship comes from a heart that has just felt the greatness of God's love. I mean, God has not designed worship to be duty. Right? He has... He has designed it to, to feel probably a whole lot more like Psalm 63 here. I, I see your love, God. I see, I just, I come into contact with the love of God and I can't help but just raise my hands and open my lips and just sing songs of praise to this God. And this is my prayer for our worship here in this space every time that we come together. May, may, our, may we just honor God with, with joyful worship in this place. This is my prayer every time we come. So when we realize the greatness of God's love for us, our relationship with God is is 
more consuming than it is convenient. And our worship to God, our worship with God becomes joy and not just duty. Here's the last thing that I think David just fully encapsulates here is that when we come to realize the greatness of God's love for us, our experiences in the wilderness become experiences in worship. Our experiences in the wilderness become experiences in worship. I mentioned this at the beginning. He is in the wilderness. He is in a dry and parched land. Uh, you know, th- this, he's, he's, but he's thirsting for God. I mean, how is he able even to worship at a time like this? I mean, verse 9 literally says that he's got people coming to kill him, right? Like, how is he able to worship in this space? How is he able to do this? And what causes him to worship is this verse 3. Your love is better than life. What causes him to worship, even in the midst of all of this, even in the midst of all the struggles and the strife and the wilderness, is coming to grips with God's love for him. And I think, honestly, we need to just grasp this. All of us, have had sort of a wilderness experience for the last 14 months. Nothing has been as we have known it to be. We feel like, like things are just, there's just no end in sight to whatever is, is happening here. Like it just it feels, like we're, feels like we're wandering a little bit. I mean, and even, even just outside of the virus, even outside of all this coronavirus stuff, even in the midst of all of this, there has been storms in, in everybody's life on other, on other ways. Right, there's people who, who have lost loved ones. There are people who have lost jobs, hospital stays, health scares. You know, there's all sorts of things that happen during this time. Right, all of, even just, I'm just talking about the last 14 months. Right, just think about that. There are all sorts of things that happen just even in the last 14 months. And, and see, here's the thing. If our, if our hope and our affection and our adoration is on anything other than God. What happens is that when all this stuff comes crashing down, we go crashing down with it. Because our hope and our adoration and our love and our praise is on some of these things that we are losing. But when our hope and our adoration and our love is focused on Jesus, because he loves us. And when all this stuff starts to crumble, we can stand strong knowing that I have the love of God. I mean, I think of Job in Scripture. (laughs) Everything literally crashes down, and he's just able to say, like, look, I love God, and God loves me, and that's enough. David here in this passage, people are chasing him, trying to kill him, and he's saying, your love is better than life. I mean, you want to know why love is better than life? I mean, you just don't have to look any further than really Romans. All right, Romans chapter 8, starting at verse 35. Some of you will probably just have this memorized, I don't know, but it says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced, and I want you to hear these words this morning. I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else, And all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. 
Do you get that? Did you hear that? Do you grasp that? Nothing in all of creation can separate us from the love of God. The same love that David says is better than life. Do you understand this? This love that is better than life is offered to you and it is given to you at no cost. It is yours. And there is nothing that can separate you from it. That's just a powerful thought there. But here's the thing. We, we still, even knowing that, we still put our love and our adoration and our focus all sorts of other places. Why? Why can we do that? I think because we're not consumed. It's convenient. And we're not consumed by it. When we worship, it's, it's more out of duty than it is out of joy. And because of that, our, our wilderness experiences, our bad times just kind of draw us further and further away from God. But I, I don't want that to be us. I don't want that to be us. So here's the, here's the question. How do you come to know this love? How do you come to know this love that is offered to you? How do you come to know the love that David knows that is better than life? How do you come to know this love that Romans says will never be separated from? How do you come to know this love? You get to know Jesus, who is love. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he sent his son so that we might live with him forever. All right, this, this is love. This is love that God laid down his life, his son's life for us. Right? This is love. This is the love that we are offered. This is the love that we have. This is the love that is all-consuming. This is the love that God offers us. This is the love that David knew in the Psalms. And he was able to say, look, your love is better than life. And because of that, I am going to praise you. Let's just, let's just read this psalm again. You, God, are my God. As I read this, I want you to just think about whether or not you could even, you could say these same words. You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I've seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. On my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. Because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me. Those who want to kill me will be destroyed. They will go down to the depths of the earth. They will be given over to the sword and become food for jackals. But the king will rejoice in God, and all who swear by God will glory in him, while the mouths of liars will be silenced. Now, I understand verse 9 and 10 probably don't apply to you. I don't think there's probably people that are seeking to kill you and take your life right now. We live in a, in a place where that doesn't happen, just for being a Christian. But just these first eight verses... I will cling to you. I thirst for you. I long for you. In your name, I will lift up my hands. I'll be fully satisfied with you. My lips are going to sing about you. Does that describe your relationship with God? And if not, how can we, how can we work towards that? 
How can we get to this space where we're able to say like, yes, your love is better than life? Because the truth is this, it's true. God's love is better than life. And when we come to grips with God's love for us, I think it will just open up our relationship with him. We'll become consumed by God and not just call ourselves Christian because it's convenient. When we come and we worship in this space, we will do so out of joy and not just out of, out of a place of duty where we feel like we have to. And even when we're going through the wilderness, going through the rough times in our lives where we're just struggling with things, we can still say just like David did, my lips are going to sing your praise. I cling to you. I know that you hold me up. I know that you are here because your love is better than life. My prayer is that is true for you. And my prayer is that if that, if, if that is not true for you, that it will become true for you, that we'll be able to sing along with David here. I will praise you as long as I live. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word and for who you are and for all that you do, God. God, we're just, we're thankful to be in this space this morning where we can open up your word and not have to worry about, about anything else, God. We can, just, we can just sit and worship. We can sit and talk about your word. We can just be in this space. God, my prayer this week is that we would, we would just come to grips with your love. We would just come to grips with the love that you offer us, the love that you, that you bring us, God, the love that you send us, the love that we just... God, would we just come to grips with this love? And as we do so, my prayer is that we would just become a people who are just so consumed with you. That our times of worship in this place would be just, just times of pure joy as we sing out our praise to you. God, that's our hope. That's our prayer. That even, even though we're going through the wilderness, even though we may be going through hard times in our lives, we can know that you love us and we can be be just so affirmed in this relationship we have with you. God, that's our prayer. That's our hope. And God, if there, if there are those who, who that doesn't describe them, I just pray that you would just, just move in their hearts and their minds this morning. And if there are those who that does describe them, God, I just I, I thank you. And I just pray that you continue to move in their lives. God, we just are, are so grateful for you, so thankful to be in this space. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Would you stand with me this morning as we, as we go? And every week here at our church, we, we do a blessing. So if you just hold your hands out and just receive a, a blessing from God this morning. May our God, God of grace, love, and truth, and mostly love, <laughs> may he go with you this week. May you just come to grips with the kind of love that God has for you, just the, the power of the love of God that he has for you. And may that just give you the courage and the boldness to go forward and to make a difference wherever you may find yourself. Go in grace and go in the love of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.